Thanks for joining us for the third Witch 50 podcast, which we are running in conjunction with Admiral's Brightest Minds series. Today we're looking at the issue of social media and how it's used by brands, or more precisely how it's often misused by brands. And a little context, we recorded this session about an hour after United dragged one of its customers kicking and bleeding from its plane. The next 12 hours were really a case study on how not to use social media. Before we get into the conversation, though, I started by asking Jody Sanks to the CEO about, but why is it brands are still getting themselves into trouble? Brands get themselves into trouble with social media because it is one channel that they have very little control over. Uh, for that reason, they need to be thinking about the, the reasons that they're using social media, the strategy behind social media, and also be very pre-planned uh, to make sure that if any problems arise within the organisation and they're finding negative feedback from their customers, that they are prepared with how they're going to handle that. And every person in the organisation that touches social media knows how to respond to those sorts of situations. Social media is often approached by brands uh, as an, an engagement channel with their customers, which is great. Uh, so the first thing they've got to work out is how are they going to engage with their, their customers and what sort of tone and relationship do they want with their customers. That's really, really important to make sure that the channel is being used in the way that the company wants it to be used or how they want it to be used. But the second part of that is that social media is so very public and should something go wrong with the brand, uh, the first place that consumers go is to social media uh, and that is then out there in the big wide world and everyone can see what's happening between the customer and the brand. And that does require that uh, organisations have a, kind of a, a crisis plan in place, they know how they're going to respond, they know if they're going to respond and if they do respond, what is the tone and what is the mechanism for taking that issue offline and resolving it. And often companies haven't thought that part through um, and that's where companies get themselves into big trouble with, with social media. So pre-planning is key. So joining me today are Darren Woolley, the CEO of Trinity P3 and Ryan Shelley, the Managing Director of Pepper IT. Uh, gents, there's a really interesting story on social media this morning which I'm sure you've seen. Uh, which was the um, story of the gentleman who was removed forcibly from the United Airlines um, flight in the US. I'm just going to play a short clip now and really I guess get your reaction as a way of sort of kicking us into the conversation about social media. Look at all those phones, every. Every second person on the plane's got their phone out. Well, look, I think uh, businesses today have to accept the fact that every customer is a potential journalist. I mean, we've all got mobile phones, we can all videotape what's going on, and social media allows you to spread that as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And bad news spreads much better than good news. So organisations have to be prepared to be able to manage... Uh, these crises uh, at any time. Right. Yeah, agree. Bad news is always going to spread quicker than, you know, how good the, the service was on an airline. Um, I, I think United has to, you know, hand on heart, own the problem um, and publicly, you know, do the right thing and make amends for it. Because this is one of the issues, is that the time that it takes to go 
you know, viral or go, you know, go crazy is much shorter these days, isn't it? So you know, businesses can't sit around deciding what they're going to do when a crisis breaks. They've got to have a process of dealing with it in that moment. Or even better yet, companies, especially you know, large companies like United, they should have a ready-to-fire um, scripted you know, response for situations like this. And then that way, as Darren suggested, it's something that can be fired immediately. So one of the things that struck me, probably about an hour after the incident started to like propagate across like across all of social media, it was there in my Facebook feed, my LinkedIn feed and my Twitter feed this morning when I got up, there was a statement from the CEO of United. And the thing that struck me was, I, I thought it was clever in the sense he, he kept his, his options open. He, he, he gave what on the surface looks like an apology, but he also said that they were investigating. And one of the issues that always strikes me, and maybe it's because I'm a journalist, is I always like to kind of wait and see what the facts um, reveal. Now, admittedly, in this case, it doesn't look great for them. But in that context, where things are happening quickly, where there's a lot of media, where basically everybody's going at you because they're driving clicks, what's the best way? How do you take stock and how do you approach yeah, it? Yeah, look, and, and the CEO came out with exactly the old school media approach, which is don't admit liability, let's all be cautious, let's wait till we have the facts. The trouble is they're missing a great opportunity. Because whether they're liable or not, what he should be doing is going on the front foot and going, you know, this is unfortunate um, and we're investigating the cause, but we would never allow a customer to be treated that way and so this is what we're going to do, A, B, C, D, you know, give them a first class flights for a year or whatever, because you've got to be in the moment. In 12 hours, 24 hours or a week from now when all the facts are in, no one's going to care anymore, yep. except that they'll remember that United Airlines beats up their customers. And on that, you're uncovering a wound. Um, you know, by the time they've got their response prepared, you've pulled the Band-Aid off, the scab comes off, and everyone goes, oh, that's right, United, they kicked that poor bloke off. In fact, that was the thing that struck me. Was that, to me, it really revealed not so much weaknesses in social policy, we'll, social media policy, we'll watch that unfold over the next few weeks, but just basic weaknesses in operating policy. Really, social media exposes when you don't have your process down pat. Corporate affairs are still, in these big organisations are still struggling with the new media model. You know, they know about the 24-hour news cycle, but that's with journalists, and journalists do want to get the facts. You know, these, uh, what do they call them? You yeah, know, key keyboard warriors. Yeah, or, keyboard, yeah, or, or you know, uh, everyday journalists are not bound by the same uh, rules or don't seem to be bound by the same rules. They just spread the information that's provided to them. That's why you've got to be constantly on the front foot. And this idea of playing it safe, sure, it'll end up sorting itself out in the end, but you've missed the opportunity to completely turn the whole thing around on its head. So is it a big part of the problem that a lot of, particularly in the corporate environments, a lot of the, the processes that are put in place are still based on fairly old operating assumptions of how information will be disseminated? Is that Absolutely. what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they love having uh, their relationships with all their journalists that are big influencers and they build those relationships. It's not going to be those journalists that are going to bring you undone. It's going to be the customer that thinks that they're badly done by and they're going to hit this, their social media with a piece of material, a message that's going to you know, become a meme and just go viral and suddenly hundreds of thousands of people, while well, you're still trying to get that journalist on the phone or on the email to try and counter it. Look, most companies are, you know, they're talking about their products and services well, they're acknowledging customer complaints well. Um, that's what they're doing well. 
um, doing unwell, things like this, they need to have prepared statements ready to pull the trigger and fire when mm-hmm. things like this happen. It's, I mean, it's interesting because if you go back, it's four, Witchshift is four years old now, and when I started four years ago, the only two things boards really were aware of in terms of digital was cyber risk, and they're actually pretty good at that. Like, that, that's a regulatory issue, and they've got that under control. And they're kind of aware of brand risk on social media, but it was it tended to be very tactical. It tended to be because they were responding to a specific kind of incident that had happened. Yeah, there's still a mentality in a lot of senior you know, boards and senior management that if I don't say anything, I won't be fanning the flames. And it's just ridiculous. You know, this idea of creating a vacuum and the, the fire will go out. Now, what happens is when you don't say anything, you're letting everyone else stoke the fire with whatever they want. And they'll bring whatever agenda they want to to the party and it will just burn like wildfire. And the longer you stay there going, oh, you know, it's so old school. Well, let's not say anything and tomorrow it'll be gone away. No, by tomorrow you'll be looking at a scorched earth policy, mm-hmm. potentially. And so that idea of waiting is just ridiculous. Yeah. The, other, the other thing is it's interesting, though, that so many brands get uh, customer service so right on social media. Because that is about reacting in real time and solving people's in- problems. I actually wanted to see if we can get some examples um, out of the conversation today of great service. Like we've sort of looked at the United, it's almost the kind of worst case example of what can happen. Yeah, it's a mindset that your customers are important so that the people at the front line have to be able to action mm-hmm. the response. I mean, an airline that does it really well is Air New Zealand. You know, they have a complete focus on their customers. And a friend of mine was sitting in the um, the Air New Zealand lounge in LAX, and they were playing, you know, like elevator music, Barry Manilow, and, and they tweeted that they hoped that, they, you know, there was a better choice. And within five minutes, the person at the lounge there walked across and said, here's the catalogue, what would you like to listen to? You know, and then they tweeted that very story and put it on Facebook and everywhere else. So you get that amplifying effect from something so small, but it, it actually takes a culture and a mindset to act, to deliver that. You know, just saying, oh, we've done our social media bit tick is never going to work. Do, do consumers use different social channels differently in terms of how they interact with brands? I always think Twitter's one of those environments where you just go and scream because you're angry. In fact, I did it this week over my brand new Fitbit Blaze because I took the the watch band off and I couldn't get it back on and for about an hour three of us tried to fix it <laughs> I was so angry and I was so happy an hour ago when I made the purchase but I always think that they you know Twitter's one of those things it's kind of instant it's reactive you're just getting out there and raging whereas Facebook it's, it's almost more companies that use Facebook well it's actually more about the kind of dialogue and the conversation so is there evidence that consumers make a distinction in terms of social channels they use to talk to in terms of the way that they talk to brands? Yeah, I, I think it depends a lot on the consumer. Um, you know, demographics and that, you know, you, you might have people, more people on Facebook that are happy to speak to companies on Facebook, whereas Twitter, probably more the tech-savvy people that, you know, are comfortable with Twitter and sending out the, you know, disgruntled tweet. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that's probably more demographic as opposed to a you know, conscious decision about, oh, I'm disappointed, therefore I'll go to Twitter, or I'm happy, therefore I'll I'll go to Facebook. I think also uh, it's because, you know, people know that uh, journalists follow Twitter 
to, because that's where news breaks, you know, when what someone, because of that instantaneous nature. You know, Twitter's all about in the moment, whereas Facebook is more about relationships, you know, building a connection and engagement of shared values. And then LinkedIn is different again because, you know, it's a B2B area. It's much more about professional thought leadership and, and uh, networking and building. So I think there's really strong social platforms, social media platforms, each have their own um, strength, unique strengths. You know, Snapchat is so instantaneous, but it's also, unlike Twitter, it's all visual. You know, it's not lots and lots of text. You're and 140 more, characters. And more unofficial behind the scenes. Yeah. It's not a... Um, and that's a very good point you make about the journalists and that on Twitter. So many clients are like, oh, well, you know, we don't really use Twitter. And the biggest example is when you watch the 6 o'clock news or the 7 o'clock news, the journalists aren't putting their Facebook name underneath their talking head. Mm. They're putting their Twitter handle. Yeah. So, again, yeah, Twitter, if you want potentially attention of journalists and people that might be able to, you know, see your disappointment with companies, that, that's why people are going to Twitter. The other issue that was filling the newspapers and the airwaves at the time we recorded this podcast was the problems that Pepsi had, or rather the trouble they got themselves into with the commercial they created with Kendall Jenner, where they were attempting to kind of co-op some of the popular movements in the US. I asked uh, Darren and Ryan uh, to comment on this. Oh, look, one, one of the things is that I think brands have to be very careful when they try and co-op uh, social change or social trends, you know. It's like anything and, and in social media. People, advertisers especially, focus on the media part of social media and not the social part of social media. And the way I explain it to people is imagine... Uh, you and I right now having a conversation about our holidays coming up and suddenly uh, a travel centre or something comes along and goes, I've got 50% off airlines at the moment. As a real-life conversation, you just turn around and job them in the mouth, you know, because we're having a conversation about holidays. I don't want you to sell to me while I'm having a social interaction. Mm. You know, you could come in and go, oh, yeah, I've been there and here's some interesting places and actually add to the experience. I think Pepsi have done the same thing. Oh, there's a big trend about you know, rebellion and revolution, perhaps driven by what's happened in the US, you know, the, the, the shift towards the alt-right and you know, the reaction to that. But if you're going to go in and start messing in things that people feel passionate about, make sure you do it in a way that's respectful and moves the conversation forward, not just stomps all over it yeah, to easy. sell some fizzy... Carbonated water. And with Pepsi, it seems to be, I remember as a, a kid growing up, it was always, you know, the taste of the new generation. It, it's, it, they've seemed to be sticking with this theme of generate, you know, revolution and that for such a long time now. And, and I agree wholeheartedly. Consumers are savvy. A consumer will see, you know, a call to arms about, you know, let's revolt in that. And people will, people will go, hang on a minute. This isn't about changing the world. This is about selling more brown fizzy drink. Hmm. So consumers are savvy and companies need to stop treating consumers like fools. And as you said, they also need to be aware and say, you know, if they do overhear a conversation about someone getting engaged or going on holidays, they've got to market to those people, but they need to market to those people without making it obvious that they're marketing to those people. Yeah, yeah so it's almost like you need a department of authenticity to... Make sure your authenticity policy is up to date. You've just got to be a human being. Yeah. yeah. So 
So thanks for joining us today. Uh, next week we will be back with our final podcast where we look at the issue of design-led thinking. Design-led thinking grew out of the architecture industry but has more recently been co-opted by the software development uh, sector, particularly with regards to developing products uh, and particularly app-based products. So we will see you next week. Thank you very much.